Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Uh, a testimony that I want to share with you because I think it'll be encouraging to you. It's been uh, several months ago, and uh, one person in our church was talking about uh, their business and what God was doing in their business and providing a building and looking into a building and, and how and certain things like financing didn't work out the way that it would, but God be the glory. Uh, they said they were able to do their own uh, financing in a different way, and it's too, uh, I think it's like interest-free for a couple of years. And come on, how many of you know that God has a way of working things out even better than what we intended for them to work out, amen? So they're praying for, they're praying for, uh, for the finances and stuff to be able to remodel the building and be able to use the building and things like that for the business. And so we want to pray with them and believe that God's going to do that. Come on, you believe he's able. You believe he's able. Uh, man, some of you guys are business owners in here, and, and we're, just, we're praying over your business. We're praying that God gives you opportunity um, to do what he wants you to do through the place where you, you call your career or your workplace, whatever that is for you. Hey, I want to run through a few things really quickly. I'm going to do it really fast, so you have to listen really fast. Um, our iClub ministry, which is 5th through 8th grade, they are meeting today in this building. They've been going next door, but we have a uh, newly renovated space in this building that they're able to, uh, to be in this morning. So right now, I think they probably already headed out, but they are over here today. We're thankful for that, just creating space for uh, God to do what he wants to do. And they have a, uh, a retreat coming up in the fall later in the fall to where they get away as uh, our middle school class and they have some time with the Lord and some teaching and things like that almost like what you would do in a summer camp in the summer they get away and do that in the fall and they've done that the last few years and they're going to do it again this year and they raise funds for that so that no kid that wants to go is not able to go because of money and so uh, they're having, one of the things they're doing is on September the 10th, which is a Saturday, they're having a garage sale. It's going to be here at the church. And I just want to let you know so that you can stop by and be a blessing to what they're doing. They're putting all the work in and, and doing all these things. And so we want to be a blessing to them. And just if you feel led to even donate something and you want to give just so some student can be able to go on that trip, you're always more than welcome to do that. We love how generous you are as a church. And so keep that in mind. And then on Sunday, September the 18th, I love this. They're going to be out in between services and our night of worship on our sixth anniversary, they're going to be out uh, loving on people and doing random acts of kindness all across our city um, as middle schoolers and intermediate schoolers. And so we're looking forward to that. It's going to be awesome. Um, grow groups begin next week. So our fall semester begins next week, the week of September 4th, all the way up to Thanksgiving. And then we break for the holiday season as we go through Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and all that. Uh, but we want you to be in a group. Several of you have already gotten in a group, and we're excited about that. But there are groups on every single night of the week, it seems like. So you have options, and, and you can figure out what fits with your schedule. What is it that you want to learn about, grow about? How many of you know that we need each other? We need each other. And so this is where community happens and relationship happens. And so, man, get in a group, meet some people. If you're new here, get in a group, meet some people, grow with them, uh, do life together. We, we highly encourage it. Tonight is our serve team rally. So if you serve on any team, you heard it in the announcements a minute ago, if you serve on any team or if you're about to start serving on any team, be here tonight at 5 o'clock. We're going to cast some vision and talk about what God's got in store for the fall and uh, do a little bit of worship together. And, and it's going to be a fun, fun night. We'll have some food for you. So uh, be here tonight. 
for that. And then a couple other things, 21 days of prayer begins tomorrow. Tomorrow. So we want you to be a part of 21 days of prayer. We felt like this year, every year we've always done 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. And it's always a powerful time where we deny our flesh, come on somebody, and we, we draw closer to God. And uh, we felt this year that, man, God was having us put way more emphasis on prayer. And so we did, you know, 20 days of prayer and fasting. We did May We Pray all through the month of May where we were gathering together. And then for 21 days, beginning tomorrow, we're going to be praying. If the Lord leads you to fast something, I would encourage you to be obedient. Um, We're not, you know, saying that it's a corporate fast. But if God wants you to do that, then you be obedient to that. But what we are asking you to do is set some kind of a reminder. And every day at noon for the next 21 days, let's stop what we're doing. If we're on lunch or we're driving down the road, come on, don't close your eyes if you're driving down the road. But just take a moment and let's pray together. Let's pray together for just a couple of minutes. And let's just, uh, let's, let's pray about what God's doing in our lives and what God's doing in our church. And pray for your family and pray for your marriage. And we're going to be praying for you as leadership of the church and our elders and myself and Amanda, and we would love for you to join in. There's, a, uh, there's an app, uh, the Bible app, there's a devotional on there that we will get that sent out again so that you can get signed up. Uh, I believe it went out this last week where you, there was a link. You could be a part of this devotional that we're doing, and several of you already have, uh, but we're starting that tomorrow as well. Just some ways to connect and focus on prayer, the power of prayer, praying together, and then obviously we've got First Tuesday prayer that'll be a part of that as well in September uh, and then the last thing, I, I made mention of this, but I want to I give you some practical information because I didn't do this a few weeks ago. We were talking about, uh, you know, coming back to the vision and the dream that I felt like the Lord gave us as a church that we would be here and that we would own all this property and we'd be completely debt free and be able to just do ministry and love people and serve people and do outreach and, and things for, you know, invest more into our kids and our students and, and just across the board. And, uh, but, but I didn't tell you, um, some people notified me, you didn't tell us how we can actually give toward that if we want to give toward that. So you can do that. We don't take up an offering here, but on the back walls, there are giving boxes. And so you can always just write it on the envelope what it's for. We call it the beyond movement. So if you feel the Lord leading you to give toward that, to accelerate the vision of us being able to do that and, and be debt free as a church, you can give, just drop it in there, write on it. Or online, there's a tab that says Beyond Movement, and it'll tell you, you know, this is going for this, has a little description on there. You can give that way as well. So I want to just let you know about that just in a practical way. And uh, today I felt led to jump into one specific chapter in the Bible that, uh, that many of us are familiar with uh, a few verses in. But I felt the Lord drawing me to this a few months ago, and it was one of those, you know, as I mentioned a a couple of weeks ago, where it was kind of like, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, in a note on my phone, God, when do you want me to to speak on this? And I'm excited to preach this message to you today because it's very practical, uh, but it's something that, that I believe is so necessary for right now in so many ways. And so we're going to pull several things out of looking at Romans chapter 12. And here's what I've titled the message today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is how we roll, to which some of you right now have a country song that is playing through your head. And as I felt like the Lord was giving me uh, the title to this message, I had finished the message and was just praying about, God, what do you want to, like, what do you want to call this? What is, like, what is this, what do you want to title this? And this came to my mind immediately when I started praying about that. And then that song started, you know, going through my mind. And then I thought, man, if I, say, if I title it that, everybody's going to be distracted and you're not going to hear anything I say for the rest of the, of the service. So don't do that. Um, but you'll understand really why uh, I've titled the message that. Because I believe as believers, what we're about to talk about today, this is how we roll. Like, this is what we do. 
this is what we're called to. We're called to something greater, called to something higher. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. And some theologians even refer to Romans 12 and then like the three chapters after. Really, it's this instruction. It's Paul giving instructions for the Christian way of life. And some of it's even titled that if you study it and you read on it some. It's like, hey, going through these different scenarios and different ways to live our lives. And so today we're just going to look at one chapter, Romans chapter 12, together as we go through it. And so here's point number one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Uh, We dedicate ourselves to God. We dedicate ourselves to God. When we're talking about how we live as a Christian, the first thing we've got to understand is we have to be dedicated to God. Now, we just had child dedications last Sunday, right? And so we, we get in situations where we're dedicating our children to the Lord. Some of you started a business or, or you know, started a career. You, you know, opened a new building or a new you know, campus somewhere or whatever, and you were praying about that, and you said something like this. We're going to do something where we dedicate this building to God. You started a ministry or you started an event or something. You're like, we're going to dedicate this event to God. When we were going to move into this just a little over a year ago, we were moving into this building and we had a time where everybody came that wanted to come and we were like, we're praying and we're riding on, you know, the the bare walls and all of these things because we are dedicating this to God. And I was thinking through all of these things that we dedicate to God, right? We're like, man, I'm dedicating my career to God. I'm dedicating my family to God. I'm dedicating my kids to God and my business to God and my career to God. What would it look like for you to actually dedicate you to God? I think sometimes it's easy for us to get so focused on all of the things that we need to dedicate to God. But here is what I know to be true. If you will dedicate you to God, then all of the other has a way of coming alongside you being dedicated to God. So Romans chapter 12, it starts in this way. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed, many of us are familiar with this verse, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So what does it look like to be dedicated to God? I think just in these first couple of verses, we see how we can be dedicated to God. And here's the first thing that I want to make mention of for a moment, is as Christians, we give our bodies to God. As Christians, we give our bodies to God. Part of you being dedicated to God is that you would would surrender everything that is your body. That you would give it all to God. And here's what we know about our bodies based on the Word of God. The Word of God actually says quite a bit about your body and, and how you are to give it to God. And There are some verses in 1 Corinthians, and it's important for you to know before we read these, that the Corinthian believers, this is where you find a lot of scripture and a lot of instruction for sexual immorality and what you do with your body and that everything is maybe permissible for me to do, but everything is not beneficial for me to do, and all of these instructions, because the Corinthian believers were a lot like our culture today. They were struggling to honor God with their bodies. And we can actually relate to the, Christian, to, to the Corinthian believers more than we think we can. Because in the culture we live in, we struggle with honoring God with our bodies. But the Word of God tells us this is what we are called to do. And look at these verses. Paul, in, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he says this in chapter 3. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? 
If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Somebody say, I am not my own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, in other words, because you're not your own and you were bought with a price, therefore, here's what you should do. You should glorify God with your body. Glorify God with your body. Dedicate everything that you have to him. Be fully dedicated to God. So what does it mean for us to offer our bodies to God? I think it's dedicating all of who we are to God, but not just that. Maybe we could say it this way, that we live our lives as if we are set apart. That we would actually live our lives as if we are different from the world. That I have dedicated myself to God, and I am fully submitted to God, and in this part of my life, with my body and things that I do, I am going to bring glory and honor to God. And here's, here's what I believe for you and for me, that, that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And this is why, you know, verses like 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that the old is gone and the new has come, that whenever you are saved, your spirit is made perfect. Because you are a spirit. So your spirit is made perfect, but come on, how many of you know I still live in this body? And now it is my responsibility to cooperate with God, who is trying to transform me into the image of Christ. That I'm already, come on, what does it mean for your spirit to be made perfect? It means when you surrendered to God and you prayed that prayer and you decided to follow Jesus, that you stepped into relationship with him and you are on your way to heaven, that you are saved. But there are so many scriptures that talk about renewing your mind and how you use your body and, this, and, and all this instruction because we still live in this body. And so it is our responsibility to cooperate with what God is trying to do so that we can become more like Jesus. We talked about this at the beginning of the year. It's 2 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 3, where it says that we who with unveiled faces, right, we who have seen God, that we are in relationship with God, that we are progressively being transformed into the image of Christ. That this is what God's intent is, that you have been saved, and now that you are saved, he is progressively transforming you to be more and more and more like Jesus. This is why we have to dedicate ourselves to God. Dedicating ourselves to God is actually an act of worship. I don't know if you picked up on that in those verses, but what we do with the body we live in is a way we're worshiping God. In fact, I love one translation words it in this way. It says, becoming a living sacrifice is actually our rational, logical, and intelligent act of worship. That you giving up all of you to God is actually a rational way to worship, a logical way to worship, and an intelligent way to worship. It, like, in other words, what I feel like the Bible is telling us is that it just makes sense that because I, am, I belong to God, that I would live this way so that it brings Him glory and, it, and I worship Him. Like This is what we're called to do. This is what it looks like for the life of a believer. So we give our bodies to God. Here's the next one. As Christians, we also we give our minds to God. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but your mind is a powerful tool. How many of you are like me, and you wake up, 
and you have an overwhelming thought or overwhelming thoughts just like bombard you and before your feet ever hit the floor you're like can we just be done with this day already because my mind is racing right your thought life is powerful the things that you make the decision to dwell on in your mind they are powerful one translation, I believe, of Proverbs 4.23 would tell us to not only guard our hearts, but one translation says to, to pay attention to what you think about because your thoughts will run your life. Your thoughts matter. And so we have to give our minds to God, right? You ever, you ever think about how you can, you ever lay there at night or you're sitting on your couch or you're at work and you're thinking about, like the thoughts are going through your mind about how you can get back at somebody? I mean, you're laying in bed and you're like, mm, I got it. I got it. Thank you, Lord. You know, like you're thanking God for giving you the... I'm like, I don't know that that came from God. I mean, that's just my opinion, but it's like you're laying there and you're thinking about how I can avenge myself and how I can, you know, prove my point. And we have a tendency to think about our own selfish desires, right? And this is why I believe Scripture teaches us about the importance of renewing our minds. It's because in the natural, our thoughts are not always good. Like our natural thought patterns are going to be selfish and they're not going to be good and they're not going to be God's thoughts, right? We know this verse, but Isaiah 55, 8, I love being reminded of this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Listen, if God has already declared that he doesn't think like us and his ways are not like our ways and we're not always going to understand everything, wouldn't it make sense as a follower of Jesus that we need to have our minds renewed so that we can begin to think more like him, so that we can see things from his perspective, so that we're not thinking about it the way that we tend to think about it, but that we're getting God's thoughts on it. We, we need to have our minds renewed. And the Word of God tells us, you know, even some things that it's beneficial for us to think on. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, he said, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says, think on these things. Think on these things. This is what he's calling us to think on. What would it look like in your life for you to get up and you start having a thought and you're like, is this honorable? Then I'm not going to think about that. Is this, is this giving praise to God? Mm, I probably shouldn't think about that, right? Paul was pretty clear. He said, hey, here are some things that you can think about that are actually going to benefit you. It's actually going to do something in you. And the Word of God tells us these things. And I think the primary way that we can give our minds to God and see our minds renewed uh, really can be found in a verse that we're familiar with in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the Word of God is living and active. Watch this. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it pierces even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And look at what it says. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Why is it so important for you to be in the Word of God? Because I think that the Word of God is the primary way that your mind gets renewed. Because the Word of God is alive and it's active and it judges the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked into this word or not you know a lot of us we don't like the word judge you know we say things like don't judge me and and things like that but the word of god it judges our thoughts and intentions in our heart and here's what that means it means it is able to judge it's a discerner and i like this one it critiques it critiques our thoughts the word of god when you're reading and this is and this is what it'll look like and many of you have had this experience you'll be reading something in the word of god and all of a sudden you'll be like hmm, i think i've been thinking about that all wrong 
It's critiquing your thoughts. It's renewing your mind. And you read something, you're like, oh, I've never read that before. I've never thought about it in that way before. I've never seen that in Scripture before. I've actually been, I've actually been going about this the wrong way, and I need to start going about it this way. It's, like, it's separating joint and marrow and spirit and soul, and it's judging our thoughts. It's critiquing. It's discerning our thoughts and our intentions. And I think when we begin to line our thought patterns up with the Word of God, our minds, they, be, they start being renewed. And so we give our bodies to God, we give our minds to God. Here's the next one, we give our will to God. I think the goal of our minds being renewed, as we see in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, is so that we will submit our will to God and we'll actually be able to see God's will for our life clearly and we'll decide. It's better for me to live life God's way and be in His will than to just try to live out my own will. And so I'm going to submit my will to God and I'm going to pick up what he wants for me and what he has for me, and I'm going to live that out. Like, I'm going to give God my will. I thought it was going to happen this way, but God, if you have a different plan, that's fine. I thought it was going to be like this, but God, if you're doing something different, I submit my will to your will, and that's okay. I want to do things your way. And so we, we give our will to God. We give our minds to God. We give our bodies to God. Here's point number two. What I think we see in Romans chapter 12 is that we use our gifts. How do we roll? How do we live? How do we live as a Christian? We use our gifts. And I want to talk about this maybe from a different perspective in just a moment. But I want to read verses 3 through 8. It says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment according to the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and not all members have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many are one body, and each member belongs to one another. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If one's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is giving, let him give generously. If it is leading, let him lead with diligence. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is not an exhaustive list, and there are, are different places in Scripture that talk about gifts. Gifts that were given to the church, gifts that are given to you as a member of the body, so that we can use them to serve one another well, and to build each other up, and encourage each other, and, and, and operate in this way. But I think there are many times that we feel like our gift isn't, uh, isn't to serve in a specific ministry, or in a specific way, or in a specific role, and what I think is that we're actually called to use our gifts right where we are. There are some times, you ever been here before? I know I have, where you feel like, okay, I feel like I have this gift, so I'm just waiting until they call on me and put me in this certain position so that I can use my gift. And I don't think that's what God intends. I think that God desires for you to use the gifts that he's given you right where you are. Right where you are. Not that, come on, listen, I don't, I don't need a platform to teach people. If I'm gifted to teach people, I can teach somebody walking down the road. I can teach somebody in kids' ministry. I can teach somebody at my workplace that I'm sensing has a desire to know more about God. Like, I don't have to wait until Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 1045 to teach somebody. I can use my gift right where I am. And he lists certain things, and I think if I have the gift of leadership, 
It doesn't mean that I wait on what I feel like is a leadership role to begin using my gift. I can exercise leadership serving on the cafe team. I can, I can exercise leadership in a kid's classroom and lead those kids. I can exercise leadership finding parking spots for people and just being helpful. And I'm being a leader. I'm being a leader. I'm gathering people. Hey, I see a need. We need to go meet this need. I'm being a leader. I'm using my gift of leadership to lead people. If I have the gift of mercy, right, I can exercise mercy while serving as a greeter at the door or loving on kids and kids ministry or serving on the prayer team, the gift of, of, of teaching, the gift of whatever you fill in the blank. I think that God is calling us right now to use what he's gifted us to do right where we are. You're not sitting in this building by accident. You're not a part of this church by accident. God's put you here. You're here because God has gifted you in unique ways so that you can become a part of the body and you can begin to use what God's gifted you to do. Because there are going to be things that you're good at doing that I'm not good at doing. There are going to be things like you're, somebody across the room is gifted in a different way than you are. But when we begin to use what we're gifted with, Right where we are, oh, it becomes a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to watch. I think, I think it even goes back to Acts when you think about the first church and it said that, man, they were, they were like, nobody had a need of anything. Can you imagine if everybody used what they were gifted to do? Would there be any needs? If you have the gift of giving and you began to give generously, would there be any needs? If you have the gift of serving or the gift of teaching or the gift of prophecy or the gift, what, like you fill in the blank with whatever the gift is and we were all using our gifts, would, would anybody, I mean like we would just be meeting each other's needs and encouraging each other and building each other up and serving one another. I mean it would just be a beautiful thing. And what he's talking about, he says, hey, you've been gifted. If, if you have this gift, use it. Do it diligently. Do it with all your heart. Take it seriously. Like, use what you've been gifted to do. Here's the third thing. I think as we go on, we see maybe this heading, that we show real love. What do we do as believers? How do we live as Christians, followers of Jesus? I think we show real love. Look at verses 9 through 16. Paul says, love must be sincere. Detest what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo yourselves in honoring one another. How you doing with that? Outdo yourselves in honoring one another. Like, oh, you think you're going to honor me? Uh-uh, no, I'm going to honor you better than you're honoring me. I mean, like, what would it look like if you're at work and you're like, you know what, on Monday I honored in this way, but I'm about to one-up myself on honoring these people around here today. On Tuesday, I'm about to honor, I'm going to honor your pants off. Like, you ain't going to out-honor me. Can you get this picture in your mind? Maybe not that picture, but can you get this picture in your mind? <laughs> Got to lighten the mood for a minute. Like that you are outdoing yourselves and honoring each other. It's like we come to church on Sunday and everybody is just like, oh, you going to honor me like that? Oh, I'll show you what real honor is. Let me show you how I'm going to honor you. Like we're planning it out all week long. Like I was so honored last week that I have to do something to one-up their honor. He says, outdo yourselves in honoring one another. What if instead of criticizing one another, we just began to honor one another? And everywhere we went, we're just, just honoring people. Just honoring our boss, honoring our coworkers, honoring the people that are, come on, honor the people that are serving back there, that are watching your kids right now and teaching them. Come on, somebody, can I get a better amen right there? Amen. Honor each other. 
what would it look like if we just went around outdoing ourselves with honor? With an attitude of, you can't out-honor me. Because I'm going to one-up myself. I'm going to one-up you in honoring everywhere that I go. He goes on, he says, do not let your zeal subside. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, persistent in prayer. Share with the saints who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but enjoy the company of the lowly. Do not be conceited. Our love has to be sincere. And I, and I love it so much that Paul, he, he says love must be sincere. And then he gives all of these points where he's like, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this. He says things like devotion to one another and honor for one another and joy and patience, persistence, sharing, hospitality, rejoicing with one another, weeping with one another, living in harmony with one another. Listen, are we people who show real love to each other and others around us? I mean, if you were to just take inventory of your life right now and just, just pray this prayer like, Lord, search my heart and know what's going on inside of me, are you somebody who is showing real love to the people around you? Like when you encounter people, it's like, man, my love for them is sincere. It's exactly what God wants it to be. I am striving, I am trying, I want to love people. And we all know this, but I want to remind us today that Jesus said that it's our love for one another that shows the world that we're following him. He said, they're going to know that you're my followers by the way that you love each other. He said we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. He said we're supposed to love one another as he has loved us. And then he goes on to describe that and talks about how he laid his life down for us. And that's how we're called to love one another. Real love. And I don't know if you've ever looked into this or not. I found it interesting. But the word sincere, if you go back and you, and you study a little bit of what it means, just on the surface level, it means hip, without hypocrisy, not a phony. And I like this one, free from hidden agendas. Paul says, love must be sincere. Here's what he's saying. Love must be without hypocrisy. You're not saying one thing and then doing another. Love must be sincere. Love is not, this is not a phony. It says, your love must be with free of hidden agendas. You ever, you ever done something for somebody in the name of love, hoping to get something in return? Like you had an agenda behind? It's like, you're, you, like you saw the dishes and you knew that like, you and your spouse have been kind of at it, and so you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show love, and I'm going to go do these dishes. And you had a hidden agenda. And it was like, this really wasn't sincere. Like, what I'm trying to do is get something out of this. I'm trying to, like, smooth things over, or whatever the case might be. And Paul's saying, like, your love needs to be sincere. Like, no hidden agenda. This is how we love people. I love you just because I love you. I love you because I have been instructed. I love you because I have been instructed to love you as Christ loved me. No hidden agenda, no hypocrisy. This kind of love that we're called to show is powerful, but it will cost you something. When you begin to show real love for people, it's a powerful, powerful thing, but it will cost you something. And the main thing that it will cost you every single time is it's going to cost you your selfishness. Every single time. You begin to follow Jesus in the way that he has called you to love one another, it will cost you your selfishness. You cannot be selfish and loving the way Jesus has called us to love at the same time. 
And when he says, listen, we're, we're going to show real love, and then he lists all these things, and we're honoring, and we're being devoted to one another, and we're doing all of these things that show this real love. It's like there's no hidden agenda in this, and I am laying down my selfishness. Come on, isn't that what we're called to do as a Christian? Is to lay down selfishness? I mean, the essence of Christianity is that it is now no longer I who live. I have been crucified with Christ. My life, it is not even my life anymore. It is the life I'm living is by God, Jesus, living in and through me. I mean, that is following Jesus. That is Christianity. That I'm not living for me anymore. I have died to me. Like selfishness has died. And this is about how can I follow Jesus and what is Jesus calling me to do? This kind of love, it costs us our selfishness, but it's exactly what we're called to give up as followers of Jesus. And this call is to honor each other above ourselves. And so we show real love. And then here's the fourth thing, the last thing I want to make mention of. What do we do? How do we roll as believers? We take the high road. We take the high road. Look at these last few verses, starting in verse 17. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Can we just stop there? How are you doing with that? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. You know, if you do a study of the word anyone, you know what the word anyone means in the Greek? Anyone. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Carefully consider what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Do not avenge yourselves, beloved, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. We all love this part of the verse. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Come on, somebody. Now look at verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil. But how do you overcome evil? Overcome evil with good. Some translations would say by doing good. You don't fight fire with fire. You put water or something else on the fire to put the fire out. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. In other words, when somebody does evil to you, you don't pay them back. You know what? Well, we could say it this way. You don't pay them back with what they have just given you. You pay them back with kindness. That when somebody does you wrong, you pay them back with kindness. And Paul says, this is how you overcome evil. It's not by doing evil back to somebody. It's overcoming evil by doing what's good. And here's the reality, and you know this is true. If you're seeking to obey and follow Jesus, you're going to have enemies. You will have anybody ever had a person that did not like you. Can we just raise our hand for a moment? Anybody ever had a person that didn't like you? You made the decision to follow Jesus. They just didn't like you, okay? You are going to have enemies. You have an enemy who is out to steal, kill, and destroy, seeking someone to devour. But they're just going to be, like, you're just going to encounter things 
and people that don't like you, and that is okay. That's why it's in the Bible. It's because it's going to happen. But what I love about this is the question really isn't whether or not we're going to have enemies. The question is how do we respond to and how do we treat our enemies? That's what Paul's addressing. What are you going to do when that person gets on your nerves? What are you going to do when somebody says something about you that you know is not true? What are you going to do when that person finds out that you're now a Jesus follower and you're following after Jesus and you're like you're on fire for God and they no longer like you and they start talking behind your back because they no longer like you and Paul what are you going to do? Here's what I think we're called to do. We take the high road. We always take the high road. Listen, when Jesus was on the earth, he had enemies. The disciples, Jesus goes back to heaven. The disciples, you know, the Holy Spirit comes. The church starts. Thousands of people get saved. They're spreading the gospel. They had enemies. Paul, who wrote, all, wrote what we're reading today, wrote so much of the New Testament, he had enemies. In fact, in one por- portion of Scripture, he talks about the people that are preaching the gospel just to try to make it harder on him. You know what his response was? At least the gospel's being preached. What do you do with a person like that? Some people are preaching the gospel just because they know that they don't want the gospel preached and they're just trying to make it more difficult on me as I'm sitting here in these chains. He says, you know what? But at least the gospel's being preached. At least people are hearing about Jesus. They may have the wrong motive, but at least, I mean, like, what do you do with a person like that? As I was thinking about this, how often do we desire to pay someone back for what they've done to us? Anybody ever given so much attention to what you could do to get them back for what they did to you? Anybody ever played the conversation over and over and over in your mind about how you're going to avenge yourself and, oh, what they said was not right and it was not true and so I'm going to, like, I'm going to let everybody know that they're a liar and that, you know, like, you have these conversations in your mind and you play it over and you're like, this is what I'm going to say. Then I'm going to say that. That's right. And then I'm going to say that. And you start getting fired up about how you're going to avenge yourself and the scripture tells us, like, don't, don't, don't be so quick to, to try to avenge yourself. Amanda mentioned it last weekend that we're to entrust people to the one who judges justly. And how do you know? I don't always judge you justly. Right? We're, we're fallen people. But God is perfect. And what he's telling us here, he says, listen, it's not whether or not you're going to have enemies. The question is, how are you going to treat them? How are you going to respond to them? And he says, in, instead of trying to get back or avenge yourself, you know what he says? He says, on the contrary. You know what that means? Don't do what I just was telling you. On the contrary, you need to do something opposite. And he says, don't avenge yourselves. Don't try to get back at them. He says, treat them kindly. If they're hungry, give them food. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Like, treat them with kindness. And here's Jesus' take on the same topic in Luke chapter 6. He said it this way. He said, but love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward, when then, after when you love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them, expecting nothing in return, then your reward will be great. 
and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. And he says this, be merciful just as your father is merciful. I don't think there would be anybody in this room that if we were to go around and just have everybody share, that would say that you're not thankful for the mercy of your heavenly father. And what we do a lot of times, even as believers, is we want people to get what they deserve. But God did not give us what we deserved. He was merciful and gracious. And, he, and Jesus himself, he says, you need to be merciful just like your heavenly father is merciful. Be merciful just like your heavenly father is merciful. Bring the worship team back. Have you ever, have you ever known someone personally that loved their enemies? I mean, you looked at their life and you were like, I don't know how you do that. Or I know, like, in, in my case, you ever seen something on TV or you've seen an, a, a portrayal of somebody who loved their enemies, somebody who forgave when it was something that you were thinking yourself, I don't know if I could forgive that. I mean, I've seen, I've seen stories on the news in the past where it's like, there'll be some write-up about the person that somebody had done something to one of their family members, and then in the moment, in the courtroom, they will stand up and they'll say, do you have anything to say? And this is what they'll say. I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and I forgive you. And then you and I watch things like that and we're like, I don't know that I could do what they just did. But listen, that's what we do. That's what Christians do. That's what followers of Jesus do. Is we always, always, always take the high road. And instead of trying to get back, instead of trying to avenge ourselves, we stop and we say, you know what, I'm going to entrust this person or this group of people to my Heavenly Father. And what I'm going to do in the meantime is I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to love them. And if they're hungry, I'm going to give them something to eat. And if they're thirsty, I'm going to give them something to drink. And I'm going to make sure that I am merciful to them because I know that my Heavenly Father was merciful to me. It's what we do. It's how we're called to live. And we know this. It's not always easy. And it is not always fun. And listen, in some situations, it might even be the most difficult thing you will ever do. For some of us, we're like, okay, dedicate ourselves. Like, I'm going to give God all of me. I'm going to dedicate myself to God. Okay, like, like showing real love, beginning to use what God's gifted me to do, like I can do that, and then we get to the very end, it's like, but love and show kindness to the people who always seem like they're out to get me? How do I do that? And Paul says, this is what we do. This is what we do. As we follow Jesus, we love enemies and we treat them kindly we stand to your feet today
really quickly, I want to end in this way. As I was reading through this and studying some different things, I saw really a focus, and you may have already picked up on it as we've been going through this message, but it really continues in the next you know, few chapters in Romans, but that what, what Paul is really getting at is more of a relational thing. And so as we're going through Romans chapter 12, it's, we see relationship. We see how we treat people and what we do. And the first thing that we see, I think, is that we see our relationship to God. I think the first thing he hits on is your relationship to God. Like you dedicate yourselves to him. You give him your bodies, you give him your minds, you give him all of these things, you give him your will, you worship him in this way because this is what your relationship to God should look like. And then the next little portion of it, I think, is our relationship to other people, other believers, we could even say. That, man, we do things like we use our gifts to serve each other and teach and encourage one another. and We devote ourselves to one another. We honor one another. We show hospitality to one another. We share with those in need. Come on, he's talking about those that are in the body of Christ, like your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how we treat each other. This is what our relationship with each other should look like. And then the last thing is our relationship to our enemies. When we consider what's right, we seek to live at peace with everyone. We treat our enemies with kindness. And as he mentions the very last verse, we overcome evil with good. We overcome evil with good. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you, but I just want you right where you are, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you saying to me right now? Because I know that there are some of us, man, maybe for you right now, it's like, I need, to, I need to devote myself. I need to dedicate myself to the Lord. I need to give Him all of me. Maybe for you, it's that you haven't been using what God's gifted you to do, or you just haven't even been sure how to do that, and we can help you figure out ways to do that. That's one of the things we do, and a thing that we call next steps, is we try to help you figure out what's already on the inside of you. What are you gifted to do? And how can you start to use it? in all of these areas of life, right where you are. Or maybe for you, it's, you know what? From this point forward, I'm going to seek to love people well with no hidden agendas and no hypocrisy, not saying one thing and doing another, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to love people the way I have been instructed to love people as Christ loved me. And then maybe, maybe for all of us, our prayer this morning might need to be, Lord, help me to take the high road. Help me to love my enemies. As I follow you, will you help me to love my enemies? As the prayer team comes, Lord, we thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to gather in this room. God, I, I believe that you're speaking to us on such a practical level today. But God, it's something that, that we may not need to know more, but God, maybe there is a deeper action today that you are calling us to. Lord, we believe that not just hearing, but applying your word is the key. It is the key. So Lord, I pray right now as we sing this song and we pray, Lord, that you would show us what it looks like for us individually to apply this to our lives today. That we would leave differently than when we came in. And Holy Spirit, as we sing this last song, if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, 
pray you would draw them for prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.